Um, I'm so excited. Guys, thank you all so much for your prayers. And, uh, and, and I tell you, this has been a, a prod, like Clay said. I was actually going to share that this morning, that I think God has been equipping me and preparing me for several years now to step into uh, this position that we're going to be transitioning to. And I'm just so excited and humbled to, to be a part of it, to serve you guys in a greater capacity. And I'm, I'm so excited about what God is doing. And, and yeah, like I said, I, just, I desire uh, your continued prayers throughout this season uh, as we transition into that. And again, thank you so much for your continued support. I love you guys uh, dearly. This morning, we're going to continue into the book of James, and we're in chapter 3, and we're going to be going through verses 13 through 18 this morning. And uh, let's, just, let's just jump right into Scripture, and then we'll get started. We'll dive in deep. So in verse 13, it says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Will you guys pray with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for this time. I pray, God, that you would just anoint this message, and I pray that you would speak to us, God, this morning, that you would grow us into deeper maturity and deeper understanding, God. And I pray that you would just be with every single person here this morning or watching online, go with families, God. And just continue to anoint your word and guide us into what you have for us this morning. And we ask it in, the G in Jesus' name. Now, before we dive into the nitty-gritty of Scripture, I want to lay a few foundations that I think are important to us for, for us to, to build on, or a lens, if you will, in which we need to look at this Scripture. And the first of which is God has a better way. Now, this is something that we, as Christians especially, we know. We know that God is creator. We know that he designs the world. And, and even beyond creation, when it comes to the decisions we make, how we handle conflict, um, how I'm a father, how I'm a husband, what we do with our money, our time, our resources, all of those things, God has a better way. And God's way is above our way and often much different than our way. And when we realize this, what we dive into is a better way way of life. Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now the difficult part of all of this is that's really, and we see that and that's good and great and, and everything else, but it's really hard when it comes to us making a decision to follow that. Now, just as in the garden, that's essentially the same thing that Adam and Eve were presented with. They had this crossroads, if you will, in which they were going to choose God's way, which is better. He had continued up to that point in the garden to where he had defined everything that was good for them. 
and they followed that. But they had this new option when Satan tempted them in the garden. They could follow that way. They could choose their own way. Essentially, they could become their own gods. And we know what they chose, and we know how devastating that turned out, and we know the destruction that soon followed. And so this is Wisdom from Above, and that's the title of this message this morning is Wisdom from Above. And, and God is the source of that wisdom. Now, point number two, really quick. We are constantly being molded and shaped by the world. I don't know if you realize this or not, but every single day, all day long, we are constantly being discipled and shaped. There is a very clear agenda and indoctrination that the world is feeding us. I currently read this book, and it's a book that's really... You ever read something that just gets in there and sticks with you for a while? It's really been wrecking my whole world. But it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in this book, in the first few pages, he makes this, this statistic. Now, this is average uh, for kind of America. The average person touches your screen, your phone, 2,617 times per day. Now, that's average. Some people, I'm sure it's a little less, and some people probably even more. And then he goes on just after that to say, what if we allowed God to touch our mind 2,617 times a day? Now, I don't know about you, but that should convict you. It convicted me. It's really been, it bothers me. Because I allow a whole lot of things other than God and what He has to say to shape and mold me. So we have to realize that there are things that are shaping our worldview and how we see things. And number three, and this one's hard, we are selfish and we must be willing to humble ourselves. Life is not about you. Life is not about me. We have to get into a place where we can hear these things and be corrected and actually change because of it. And really, this is the first step into our Christian faith, right? We realize that we are flawed human beings, that we're sinful, that we need a Savior. When we realize this, it puts us into a place where we can see our need for God and allow Him to save us and, and then begin to transform our lives. And so that's where, based on those three things, I want you to kind of remember those things as we continue throughout this Scripture. Now, Really quickly, let's, let's give a, a, an, entry, uh, an intro into th this section in James. Now, what's really cool about James is he's all about action. You know, faith without works is dead. And it's a really, this entire book, all of it, is really based on really practical, applicable things that we can do in our lives. It's about wholehearted devotion to God that is expressed practically through our lives. And it's a beautiful thing. And so in this particular section, the topic at hand is wisdom. And really what James is going to do is give us a proper understanding of what wisdom is. But to do so, he lays out these two categories. On one hand, you see this list of virtues that we're going to read through that is from, and these virtues follow from God. It's wisdom from above. And there's really nice results at the end of that that we'll dive into. And then on this other hand, there's this list of vices that come from demonic wisdom. And there's some results that follow after that as well. And at the end of it, we're going to talk about... We'll, we'll get there. So let's just see... Let's just see... Well, I love you guys. Y'all doing good? Verse 13. Who is... I love how James starts. He's like, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life. He's saying, Okay, if you're wise, let's see it. 
Let's see it through your good life. Your character in life will reveal what you're really listening to, what you're really being shaped by. Your life, your actions, your deeds here are going to reflect the wisdom that you're following. Again, he says, let him show it by his good life, life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. So out of the gate, again, James is all about action. Now, true wisdom, uh, there's these two things that he points to. First is good life. Now, when you, when you look at the, the word there, the meaning of the word, I know Clay likes to really get into Greek and, and Hebrew, so I try to, try to learn some of that stuff. I'm not real smart sometimes, so, but I'm trying. Um, so when you look at that word, really it's referring to a, a way of life. It's, it's a mode of life. Now, here's something that, that's really frightening. People easily accept Jesus as truth. We, can, we sing these songs of the morning. We agree with it. We raise our hands. And we, we sing about His way and how it's better. And we agree with that. right? We can, we can come into acceptance with that truth. But by practice, we deny Him as the way. It's one thing to talk about it. And it's a completely different thing to walk in it. Does that make sense? And oftentimes, I look at my own life and I, and I think to myself, am I really showing the world the way of Jesus through my actions? I can talk a good game a lot. I can, I can put on this, this, this fake look sometimes, but am I really following through with it? Am I really showing the world what Jesus looks like? First Peter 1.15 says, But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. First Peter second. Uh, two, uh, the 12th verse says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. And so the, the good deeds, that leads us into the second thing that he talks about there in, in verse 13, deeds done in humility. Now the interesting thing about Jesus is when He came to the earth, obviously He was, he was God in flesh. He could have done anything He wanted to do in terms of establishing His kingdom, but He come. He comes to us as the lowest of the low, as a servant. He was not interested in popularity or power. He carried much power with him. He, he, he raised the dead and he healed people and he demonstrated those things, but he didn't set up the, this, this world system that we thought that he would, right? And so in humility, it's important that we do these things not out of selfishness or not about what we can get out of it. Now, there's this um, commentary that I read as I was preparing for this message. It's written by, I'm actually going to read some more stuff from it a little bit later, but this guy named David P. Nostrum wrote this commentary, and he had this to say uh, concerning this, this verse. Such deeds reveal a person connected to the truth. A term James reserves for the proper understanding of the Christian life. So someone who understands the Christian life. One that combines a healthy cultivation of the word and shows itself in action. So that's kind of like a, a, a baseline or a standard you can almost ask yourself this morning. Do you have a healthy cultivation of the word? Are you, are you growing in that? And then is it demonstrating itself? Is it coming through as action? And these good deeds that we do are related to the core of the Christian life. Matthew 7, verses 16 and 17 says, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every tree bears good fruit, but bad trees 
bears bad fruit. And again, your life, what kind of fruit is it producing? Now in verse 14, we're going to switch gears just a little bit. You're going to get a little bit, little bit negative for a second. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. When we talk about bitter envy, we're talking about this zeal or this, this, this longing for uh, of self-interest. It's looking and oftentimes comparing yourselves, and really it's this attitude of desiring what other people have. And I'm telling you, comparison is the thief of joy, and it is, is so easy to do in a social media-driven world. Again, think back to the, the statistic I gave you earlier about how many times you touch your phone today. A lot of those times we're scrolling through social media, right? And what do you see on social media? You see very fabricated lives where people, and I'm not knocking, you know, whatever. You, you, we put filters on, we choose all the best pictures, we put the highlights of our life, and, and that's what the world sees. And when we look at that, it's really easy for us to see that and feel like we're not measuring up. Like, I can never get there. Like, I can never be that good. And so we begin to feel all these things of, of never being content. And to be honest with you, it's like, our, I mean, think about your life. Have you ever gotten those moments, and I know I, I definitely have, where even yesterday, I was having, I had these same feelings starting to rise up. I've been doing some photography and film work and stuff, and it's really easy. I was getting myself caught up in this comparison game and getting really down on myself and just not thinking I'm measuring up and I'm not good enough. And it happens to all of us, right? And things just feel chaotic in our minds. Like we have no rest. We're not at ease. And there's this selfish ambition that verse 14 talks about where we are seeking things selfishly. And another thing... Um, in the, uh, the commentary that I was reading, it was talking about how really this, this leads to community discord and division. How when we're only seeking what's good for me and mine, we neglect other people. And this is corrosive, right? Like it starts as a small thing in our hearts, in our minds, and then it begins to translate in how we act or how we treat people. And then before you know it, we have a whole trail of broken relationships and hurt, and it causes division. Now, in this commentary, again, I'm, I'm referring to it a lot. I think there's some really good stuff in there. I want to talk about, and I want to give you a few lists here in just a second, but this guy had a colleague, and he asked his colleague in a class to give his students and basically ask them a question. And the first question he asked them is what they thought of, what first came to mind when they, think, when it, when they thought about the Christian community, the church, if you will. And here are some of the things that he talked about. I think I have a slide for that, right? Is there a list for that? Yeah, right here. So, materialism. We want things... Let me get this book real quick and make sure I'm on the right track. You guys, I'm still like analog. I'm I need like a real nice iPad to keep me on track, but I, they scare me. I'm afraid it's going to lock up and I'll be like a fish out of water up here or something. Um... So yeah, I, I don't, there may be a slide. I think that one's a, a little bit further now. But here's what they said when talking about what they thought of when it comes to the church. People put up, uh, or, or relationships are basically superficial. So, so listen to these. Most of the time, people are not sincere. It often feels artificial. People are too busy. People want to avoid, yeah, there it is. People want to avoid conflict. 
And now she went on to ask them why this is so. Why do you think, when you think about these things about the church, talking to these students, why is it that they thought those responses? And here's what they said. We have other priorities like money, appearance, recognition. We fear persecution. And we're afraid of the consequences of truth. Now, this is a really interesting one because... By doing this, by, by avoiding truth, what we're doing is, is we're saying we, we want to avoid telling someone the truth because we think it's what's best for them. We don't want to hurt anyone. But really, at the end of the day, we're just trying to avoid a, an uncomfortable situation. I remember when, when Brenda and I first started dating, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit, I was smoking cigarettes and chewing tobacco a little bit, and she, I mean, Hate is not the right word. Uh, she, she hated those things. Hated them. And so I thought to myself, I'll, I'll quit, right? I'll quit eventually. And then after I quit, I'll, conf- I'll fess up and be like, hey, you know, I used to smoke. I kind of did it behind your back a little bit. Uh, but I quit now, and so I was good. And so I'll never remember. September 13th, 2010, uh, probably somewhere about this time of the day. I was, I was getting ready to go back to college. I had a backpack. It was a Jan Sport black. I remember the whole thing. I can see it. And I had a can of dip in my backpack. And uh, I walk into my room. I'm like, you know, it's her birthday. And she's holding it. She's like, what's this? <laughs> and I'm like, God. and I'm telling you, what, what the transpired after that was I mean, it almost, I probably wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if she, if she, luckily she stuck with me. So, but after that, I left college, or I left, I left, we were crying and fighting, and and so I left, I got back to my dorm room, I was outside, lit up a cigarette, and I was like, well, (laughs) can I just be real with y'all, you know, Uh, and so I call her. I call her on the phone, and I'm like, well, since we're in deep water, let me just go ahead and get a little deeper. I've also been smoking. <laughs> and so at that point, she, like, gave me an ultimatum. It was like me or the tobacco. And so luckily, thank the Lord I chose her. I think, my, I, may, <laughs> I, think I smoked, like, two more cigarettes after that. <laughs> I confessed both times. But in that situation, it's funny now, but I promise you it was not funny at the time. Like, it was a real problem. I wanted to avoid hurting her. Like, I thought by me keeping that from her, like, it would just, like, it would help her. But really, I just didn't want to avoid, I wanted to avoid an uncomfortable situation, right? And that's what we do all the time. And I think, honestly, it's one of the reasons why we have so much division and discord, just like James is talking about here, is because we get our feelings hurt, uh, we leave, we start talking about people behind their back, but we're not man enough, we're not woman enough to go face-to-face and have a conversation with them, right? So like Matt here is, is our youth pastor, is a wonderful guy. If I do something against Matt, right, if, if I do something that's out of sorts, what should happen is him come to me and sit down, we have a conversation, right, and, and, and he's like, you know, Jeremy, I really, I really, you know, you probably shouldn't have done that. And I have to be submissive to that, receive correction, and then we can hug it out and actually grow stronger because of it. Oh, I didn't know if I was going to make that step. (laughs) And you see how that works? These jeans are too tight, too. We can have fun in church, you know that? 
We can have fun. But do you see the difference there? Now, what if I hurt Matt? And so he started, he had this bitterness that just kept, and, and honestly, maybe it was a small thing. Before you know it, it turns into a month, and the devil at this time is already like starting to feed his mind. He's starting to talk about me behind my back. And before you know it, a year down the road, something else happens, and boom, there's an explosion, and our relationship is shattered. When all we had to do in the first place was just sit down and have a hard conversation. You see what I'm saying? Now, they kept on going. We got one more list back there, Brian. There's another, and, and so the last thing they asked was, what does the world hold valuable? Like the world system. And I want you to look at these things. Materialism. This is, we want things. Going back to that Ruthless Elimination of Hurry book, that's one of the things that talk about. We get caught up in this rat race of life, the American dream of trying. We're enslaved to this system of buy, 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 and more, 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 and we think it's going to make us happy, and it never does. We want attention and even fame. We desire greed, power, and status. We are careless about other people, especially people we don't know. Our culture loves temptation, self-protection, like, leaving a job that I've been in for nine years is honestly kind of scary. Like, there's, you know, people that get freaked out of it. It's like retirement and all this, like, cushion. And, like, there's this plan, right? And I'm just like, Lord, let's go for it. It's, it's, a, it's a freeing time. And I have, you know, and sometimes following God into things is kind of scary, right? And I'm not saying we should be careless. Obviously, we have to make good decisions financially and everything else. But that's, we love protection, right? Fear. Fear holds us back. Aggression, envy, and pride, and not humility. Now, if you look at these lists, this list of things, this is really the fruit of bitter envy and selfish ambition. These are the list of vices that show up. And so ask yourself, be real this morning. Go back one more time to that slide just so y'all can see it once more. Look at this list and read it over. Do you experience any of these things? Or is this the fruit that's in your life? And be real with yourself this morning. So it's something we really have to think about. Now, where does this, this come from? This, this bitter envy, this selfish ambition. Verse 15 says this, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Earthly is simply this less pure or inferior uh, type of, 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 of thought process. It's not connected to God. And in fact, it's, it's the things arrayed against, against God. Unspiritual is really this person who, it's merely a life that has yet to respond to God. It's a life untouched by the Spirit of God. It's this unrealized potential in God. Then, of course, of the devil, it, it, it's instigated by the demonic. Now, I don't know if you guys really, and that's kind of like a weird subject sometimes. It's like talking about demons and angels and stuff. But there's a very real war that's going on right now that's against you that we can't see. Satan wants to tear down your life in so many different ways. John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more Abundantly. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Verse 17. We get to switch, switch gears into some positives again. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. And then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, 
full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And so now we're switching gears. James gave us this clear list of like vices that comes from demonic wisdom. And now he's laying out this other type of wisdom for us that comes from above. And here's the virtues, the good things that come from that. First of all, he says pure. A person who is pure partakes in the character of God. They're a person who's close to God's heart. They have unmixed motives. They're not double-minded. They're not comparing themselves all the time to other people. There's, there's not chaos in the mind. It's pure. And, and honestly, purity is kind of what lays the foundation for the rest of these to come. And peace-loving. And again, our def, the very definition of peace, it kind of stems back to what I was talking about with Matt there. Our very definition of peace oftentimes is the absence of any type of drama. The absence of any type of conflict or the absence of any type of trial. And that's just not true. True peace comes from oftentimes making really difficult decisions that are the right decision. If I was walking in true peace, I would have had a really hard conversation with my wife back when I was making some mistakes instead of letting it go, for example, right? And so... Listen, guys, we live in a broken world. There's always going to be this conflict. There's always going to be trials. Here in this church, as a community of believers, we are going to let one another down. We're human beings. We have to carry the nature and character of God. We have to be loving to one another. We have to be willing to forgive one another and have difficult conversations and work with one another. And the end of that is a beautiful picture of everyone lifting each other up and working through trials and growing stronger because of it. The next is considerate. Now, there's a lot of synonyms for this word, but basically it's a person who is thoughtful. They're not abusing power. They're, they're um, uh, attentive and kind, concerned, caring. They're unselfish, and they're helpful. And then submissive. Now, this word submissive, it's not someone who is weak or easily swayed into one thing or the other, but it's a person who actually can hear the truth and then respond to that truth and be corrected by it. It's a person who's, like, like going back to that point number three of the foundations we were talking about, we have to humble ourselves to be, to be able to realize that we don't have it figured out all the time. And we, in fact, do need corrected. Full of mercy and good fruit. Now, mercy is this compassion for people, but it's different because it leads us to action. It leads us, rather than just seeing someone like on the side of the road and just saying, man, I feel really bad for them, it, it leads us to actually respond and do something. It leads us to, in our workplaces, share the gospel with our coworkers, even though that's a really hard thing to do, or pray for them. Or you see a need that they have that you meet financially or materialistically in some type of way. It leads us to action. And then impartial and seer. We have to hold on to the truth in a loving way and not treat people differently just because of who they are or who they are not. We need to be sincere in that. Now, all these things that we just read are completely different. They're, they're counter to the vices that we read about previously in James here. Now, verse 18, the last verse that we have here. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Now, peace itself is this, 
It's a really big theme within these scriptures. It's one of the words that kind of make up the bulk of really what it's about, this word peace. And we're going to dive into it in just a second. But I have this kind of progression that I want to talk about real quick. Wisdom leads to, godly wisdom, that is, wisdom from above, leads to maturity. Maturity leads us into righteousness. And righteousness leads us into peace. And there's a, there's a, you see this progression here. And when we talk about righteousness, I do want to make this point. We're not talking about right standing before God. As Christians, we believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that He came for us, that He died, that He rose from the dead, and that we can stand before God when we put our trust in Him. The penalty of sin is taken care of. That's not what we're talking about here. God loves you too much to leave you where you are. Again, it's that, that kind of American Christianity thing where we say a prayer, we repeat, repeat a prayer and forget about it, and our lives look nothing like what it means to be a Christian. It looks nothing like the way of Christ. It's about actual change. And so God wants to lead us into that maturity through His wisdom. He wants to lead us into righteousness, doing good works for Him that point people to Jesus. And then the, the result of that, that final package, the bow on top, if you will, is ultimately peace. And it's genuine peace. Peace is to be whole, to be healthy, to be complete. And the thing about true peace, that it's, it's linked to the character of God. We have to pursue it. We have to fight for it, right? Psalms 34, 14 says, Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And so, just to back up for just a moment. We've seen this picture of wisdom. James has laid us out examples, and he's given us a clear definition, if you will, of what wisdom really is. He's given us these two categories. One is wisdom from above that leads us into peace. It's this list of beautiful virtues. And I don't know about you, but those are the type of fruits that I want people to eat in, you know, as far as what my life is producing. Those are the things that I want to produce. And then he gives us this list of vices that come from demonic wisdom that I'm so guilty of. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is really easy to fall into those things. On paper, if you look at like godly wisdom and demonic wisdom, of course everyone in in here is going to be like, yeah, I choose godly wisdom every time. But what does their lives actually show day in and day out? Is your mind full of chaos and comparison all the time? Right? Or do you have selfish ambition? Do you envy other people? Are you not kind or considerate? All of these things. I'm not saying anything to to pass judgment, but I think God wants to bring some some proper correction and understanding to what it means to really grow close and, like we said, mature into our walk with Him. Now, practically, I want to give you a few steps. I apologize. I keep feeling with this. I was really excited about this earpiece because I got to move my hands today. You guys still with me? We good? We're going to be closing in just a few minutes, but I want, to, I want to give us some practical things that we can apply to our lives. How do we grow in wisdom from above? Now that we see these things, if we're just you know, taking inventory, we see this list of virtues, we see this list of vices, okay, God, I, I realize I'm guilty in some of these things. How do I grow closer? How do I go more towards godly, heavenly wisdom, wisdom from above? The good news right out of the gate is it's not up to you or I in terms of our own strength. Left to ourselves, you are not going to do it. We can't. 
As human beings, we are, there's a weakness that we have. We just can't get beyond ourselves. We're extremely selfish people. But this is one of my second, uh, sorry, this is one of my favorite verses of Scripture. Um, it's 2 Peter 1.3, and it says this, As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. His power, He's given it to us freely. It's through Him. He's the source in which we transform and in which we change. But here's the thing. It's through the knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and virtue. So just like what we've been talking about, this idea of wisdom, in order to gain access to this power, we have to grow in knowledge of Him. Now I have a couple, uh, five, if you, to be precise, um, kind of points for us. One, we must grow in knowledge of Scripture. It, it, it's a must. We have to view the Bible as this alive and breathing and powerful book. Matter of fact, Hebrews 4.12 says the Bible is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. We need a proper understanding of the truth. We talked about this way that Jesus offers. Well, how are we supposed to walk in that way if we don't know anything about it? When we run into conflict, if we don't know how Jesus handled conflict, then how are we supposed to resp uh, respond properly? So we have to grow and develop and allow the Word of God to, to take root in our lives and to grow and to begin to change us. That's, that's, that's crucial. Number two, we must get connected. I really believe with everything in me it's impossible for us to do this thing alone. That's why God made a helper in the beginning. Clay mentioned it earlier, but one of the most transformational times in my life was when I got connected into a small group. And this is going to sound like an ad for our small groups, and it kind of is. Um, but they're really, really good, y'all. I'm telling you, there's life in them. When I started going to Clay's small group, I was learning these things. I was now thinking about when I think about wisdom, I think about knowledge, like head knowledge, and also experiences. And I was growing with that when I was connected. I was around someone who was pouring into me. I was learning these things. Things started happening in my life that was weird to me. I didn't know how to respond to it. But there was, there was knowledge happening and experience happening. And I was able to serve alongside them and, and actions came from it. And so if you're not connected with people around you, who are supporting you and pouring you into, and like Donald said, I think it was a couple weeks ago, also people that you can pour into, you have to have a strong community. Who we're around, the people who influence is crucial. So you must get connected. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, Proverbs 27, 17. And number three, we must get involved. And whatever this looks like in your life. Really, this is when I say get involved, I'm talking about the action behind wisdom. It's the experience part. It's one thing to go to a small group or to come to church on Sunday mornings, to hear the word presented, to agree with it and, and, and whatever else. But when Monday comes tomorrow, let action happen. Take what you're learning, allow God to mold you in that, and then carry through on some things. Put it into action. Serve other people, whether it be through outreach or getting involved in some type of ministry. Number four, take stock of your life. 
to ensure that these virtues, not the vices, are growing strong. It's so easy to us. And here's what the devil does. He doesn't just show up like, hey, here are these vices that are going to lead you into nothing but discord and evil practices. Like, come follow this. That's not what happens. It's a slow, steady thing that he, he just plants in your mind. And little by little, again, I mentioned it being corrosive. It starts to take root and things begin to change. And so we have to constantly, day in and day out, take stock of our lives. What am I, why am I feeling this way? When I get on social media, there's something that rises up in me that I don't like. Why is that? Or, or how am I treating my kids and my wife? So let's look at ourselves, take inventory, take stock, and see what's growing, either the, the vices or the virtues. And then lastly, number five, we must pray. God is the source. We have to connect to Him through prayer. The Bible says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, which transcends all understanding. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. And so to close, I want to read, these are, this is several uh, verses right here, but I think it's beautiful. It comes from the book of Proverbs. It's really poetic. And it, this is kind of like wisdom speaking. This is the excellence. This is the beauty, the goodness of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 8, this is verses 22 through 36. So hang in there with me. You guys just read this and let it soak in. The Lord brought me forth, to, wisdom that is, as the first of His works. Before His deeds of old, I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be when there were no watery depths I was given birth when there were no springs overflowing with water before the mountains were settled in place before the hills I was given birth before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth I was there when he set the heavens in place when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep when he gave the sea its boundary, so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. Now simply put, those who walk in wisdom, we find blessing. We find this way of life. A, a way of life in which how it's meant to be lived. And that's the beauty of this message, really, is there's this clear black and white option that we have. And really it takes us back to the very beginning when I talked about Adam and Eve. They were presented with this choice. Are we going to choose, are you, and that's my question to you, are you going to choose God's way this morning? Are you going to choose what He defines as good? What He defines as right? Are you going to walk in His ways or are you going to walk down a path and choose your own way? Are you going to make your own self your own God? 
And I promise you, friends, listen to me, it leads to nothing but destruction. And it's these very things that James talked about. I don't know about you, but I don't want to feel envy and selfish ambition. I don't want discord to be in my life, in my family's life, in this church. These evil practices. I don't want nothing. I don't want no part of that. And so I pray that we can, we can realize this morning, we can examine ourselves, that we can humble ourselves and realize our deep need for Jesus. We need to remember that, again, His ways are so much better than our ways. And we can trust Him. We can trust Him with our lives. He knows best. There's a song I've been listening to recently. It says, I have a hundred million reasons to trust what you're doing. Even when you don't get it, even when you don't understand, even if it looks crazy to the rest of the world, He will not fail you. Let's pray together this morning, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just, I I love you so much this morning. I'm so thankful for you. God, I pray that if there's someone here this morning that, that doesn't know you, God, that hasn't taken that step of faith, who hasn't trusted you with their life, who hasn't realized their deep need for you, God, I pray that you would convict their hearts. I pray that you would bring them into this, this awareness, God, of their need for you. And I pray that you give them the boldness and the strength to, to take that step into a relationship with you this morning, God. I pray that you would show each of us your ways, God, that you would bring us closer and closer to your heart to reveal your character. God, I pray that we would receive what James has for us this morning, that we would be led by wisdom from above that would lead us into these beautiful virtues and these practices, God. We would humble ourselves to you, God, that our our good works would show the world who you are. God, I'm thankful for for your spirit, God. You're the source of all power. When we trust in you, God, you empower us. It's not by our own strength that we do these things, God, but you call us and you invite us into this way of life that it's beautiful. God, your ways are higher than our ways. You know what is best. We can trust you with our lives, God, and you empower us to walk in it. Lord, I'm just so thankful for you this morning. I'm so thankful for your word. I'm so thankful that, that it's that it's alive, that it's active, that it has the power to shape us and change us and correct us and discipline us and lead us and direct us, God, and that you you speak to us through it. We're so grateful this morning, God. I pray for every single person in here, God, the families represented. Whatever it is they're going through, I pray that we can lay it at your feet like the song said this morning, God, that we would come to you and, and give you those things, Father. I just pray blessings on each and every one of us, God. And, and again, I pray that you continue growing us into the men and the women that you called us to be. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship one more time, God.